A bare week ago, Kara had phoned Kathy to ask if she and Jerry might like to be witnesses at a brief marriage service in the city. If you're going to bother doing it, then you're not doing it whole in the wall again, Kathy had said. And why do it now when I'm eight months pregnant? Because the reason why they hadn't done it sooner was no longer around to disapprove, Kara thought, though didn't say. You are allowed to say no, Kath. Of course I'm not. Of course we want to be your witnesses, but you'll have to do it up here. I can't travel. We can have a bit of a party afterwards if you do it up here, Kathy said. I just buried Dad, Kath. We don't want a party. You buried him ten days ago, and he's been dead for two months, Kathy said. He died in England over two months ago, at a time when Kara couldn't get away. Then it had taken time to arrange the flight and the funeral. They'd opened Myrtle's grave. Ghoulish, but what Robert had wanted, and he no doubt a happier man back with his beloved Myrtle than he'd been in England. You'll order the celebrant, Kath, or do we bring him with us? Leave it to me, Kathy said. I'm in your hands, Kara had said. Should have known better. They'd been friends since their college days, and back then, if given five minutes' notice, Kathy had been able to raise a party of fifty. In Ballarat, she had parents, a mother-in-law, two sets of grandparents, Jerry, her doctor husband, four sons, friends she'd known since kindergarten. If there was anyone in town she didn't know, Jerry knew them. There'd be no sign of a party when Kara and Mori and the children arrived at three. No sign of Kathy's rowdy boys. No sign of Jerry, Mori, and Robin by the time Kara exited the bathroom. What are you up to, Kath? She'd borrowed frocks. Tracy was a froth of pink. It's like a princess dress, Mummy, Tracy said. It was. And how many seven-year-old girls won't melt at the sight of pink frills and ballet shoes? How many can resist a long mirror when a coronet of rosebuds and ribbons is pinned into her hair? Thank God, Kathy had been unable to borrow a frilly bridal gown. The frock she'd chosen for Kara was white, but more Queen Lizzie garden party than bridal. She'd borrowed white sandals, gorgeous sandals, and a white broad-brimmed hat. The bouquets were new. I didn't go overboard, Kathy said. No, you torpedoed the boat, you control freak, Kara said. You're the control freak. Now get dressed or we'll be late. What time is he coming? He, the marriage celebrant. I told you that you weren't doing it whole in the corner. Our minister squeezed you in at four as a favour to me, and he has to be at a dinner in Melbourne by seven, so we can't keep him waiting. You... Your daughter is listening. Now get dressed. Did Murray know what you were up to? As if I'd tell him so that you could start blaming him again, Kathy said. Kara had never blamed Murray for the fiasco of their first marriage. She'd blamed his mother for allowing him to believe that Jenny and his sisters were dead. In 69, they'd made their first vows beside her bed, 
and three days later, Margaret Hooper Grenville Langdon had died, never knowing what her lie had done to their lives. I'm sort of adopted, Kara had confessed to Mori on their wedding night. How can you be sort of adopted? You can, if your mother and the biological mother pull a swifty. Their marriage had been eight hours old when they found out that they'd shared that biological mother, Jenny. Nothing had changed during the years since, or no new laws had been written into the Constitution allowing unions between half-brother and sister. Kara's profession, her life, her outlook on life had changed, and she could put her finger on the exact instant it had changed. She'd been standing with...